where we find ourselves in kind of a mess and a dangerous area. Um, and so let's uh, pull it out. We're going to jump in today. And then at the end, I'll talk a little bit about an 830 service. All right. Just wanted to wake you guys up a little bit. Are you awake? All right. Well, let's see if I can put you to sleep. At the top of your outline, um, we, we started out last week as we looked at being self-deceived. And uh, we said this at the, the very beginning. We said oftentimes we enter into dangerous places and we could tell by the cones, fences, and different types of barricades and stuff, kind of like what we got on the set here today. You walk into it, you see it, you're kind of like, whoa, I got to be careful. It's a slippery when wet. And so you walk out and carefully walk through it. The problem is in our life, is, which is number two, which where we'll be at for the next several weeks, and that's this. Things are really dangerous when we don't know or acknowledge that we're in a dangerous place. And so whether it was like last week where the longer that we live in a dangerous place, uh, we just don't see it. There's kind of a self-deception, self-denial that takes place. There's a false reality in which we live in. And so we're in this dangerous place, but we just don't see it. Or we kind of looked at last week, the longer that we live in that area, the more we believe it won't harm us. That even though everyone's saying, be careful, you're in a dangerous place, we, we just believe that somehow it's going to miss us. It's going to sail over our head. It may hit everybody else, but it's not going to hit me because I'm faster, quicker, smarter, whatever it is, more spiritual than everyone else, right? Or we believe that we're just right. And the longer that we live in a dangerous place, the more we become convinced that everyone else is wrong, but I'm right. I got it figured out. I got it nailed down. And we just absolutely know it. And that's when we find ourselves in a real mess. Well, today we look at an area of our life that kind of sneaks up on us. And that is an area of bitterness. And let me just kind of tell you a quick story of what took place in my mind and my heart probably about two months ago. When I was uh, 13 years old in the eighth grade, my brother, who we had five boys, the brother that was older than me, he's three and a half years older than me, he was killed in a car wreck, a dune buggy accident, uh, a friend of his was recklessly driving down the road. The dune buggy turned on its side and he got thrown out and he hit a pole. So this is in 1979, okay? So it's a long time ago. And all of a sudden, probably about two months ago, I started just feeling bitter that my kids didn't have an opportunity to, to meet my brother. Um, you know, that time he was my he was my idol. I mean, he taught me about sports and football and baseball. He, he was he was my idol. He was my rock star, and my kids didn't get a chance to meet him. And so I started googling the guy's name that was driving the doom buggy, and then I started thinking about what I could do to inflict pain into his life. And, and then all of a sudden, it was like God just kind of tapped me on the shoulder, and it's like you're still bitter. You're bitter from something that happened in 1979. And I had suppressed it. And I had lived my life happily and moving forward. But all of a sudden, it just began to take root in my life. And I started kind of thinking about how could I find him and how could I inflict pain into his life for what he did to me. And that's how bitterness works in our life. It kind of sneaks in. And it takes root. And if you're not careful and you're not paying attention and you're not allowing the Spirit of God to kind of tap you on the shoulder and give you, hey, Dan, wake up, man. All of a sudden, it can just take over your whole life. And so let's take a look today at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. And here's what it says. 
It says, make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. The context is that in human interaction, there's going to be disappointments. Would you agree with that? We live in a broken world, and so we're going to get our feelings hurt. There's going to be pain and heartaches in our life. And he says, without holiness, no one can see the Lord. Verse 15, see to it that no one misses the uh, the grace of God and that no bitter root, we're going to focus on, and no bitter root grows up and cause trouble and defile many, right? And, and, and so as we look at this, let's just kind of be honest about it. It's one of those danger, dangerous places that we find ourselves where all of a sudden it can either just kind of creep up in our life and it literally takes us over. And, and, and as a result of it, we know people, and none of us are in here, right? But we know people that it has devastated offices, families, churches, organizations, where all of a sudden you have a person that has that bitter root in them, and they have kind of, they're like toxic. They're like, a, it's like a cancer. And it just begins to kind of spread around, all right? And it begins to creep into our lives. The other interesting thing, which we'll see at the end, is that when we experience bitterness in our life, that, that we, we, we forfeit God's power in our life. And the reason why is because you can't be hateful and holy at the same time. It's impossible. And so when we're hateful, we forfeit God's holiness in our life. And as a, as a result, we forfeit some of the power in which God wants to give us in our life. So let's take a look as we kind of work through this process. Number one in your outline, where does bitterness come from? And here's the answer. It comes from hurts and pains that are not dealt with properly. Okay, they're not dealt with properly. And they are, in many cases, legitimate hurts and pains in our life. And again, remember in verse 14, it says, you know, if it's all possible, live at peace with people. We live in a broken world, and because we live in a broken world, there's going to be hurt and there's going to be pain in our life. And so when we have a hurt or painful experience in our life and we do not deal with it according to Scripture with God's grace in it, then we have the potential of that bitterness kind of rising up and beginning to take root in our life and beginning to grow through us. And so if you can imagine, the soil is the hurt. All right. And again, I just want to emphasize because a lot of times people say, well, I have a legitimate hurt Therefore, I have a right to be bitter. That is not the case. You have a legitimate hurt, but you still don't have a right, nor is it healthy to be bitter in your life. You need to address it and deal with it from a scriptural standpoint and the area of grace in your life. A root, when you think about a root on a plant or a tree, what does it do? It absorbs, right? And when a person has a bitter root growing in them, it feeds on negative stuff. That's like, that's like the fertilizer. That's the miracle grow for, for your plant. And as negative things happen and people say stuff and, and, and you, you just take it and it's like you're just planting it, you're absorbing it, you're storing it in your heart and in your life. But I want to just recognize that it's legitimate it's legitimate, painful things. If we had 100 people in a room and you shared your experience, everyone would say, you know what? That's right. That's terrible that that happened to you. And, and, and somehow, you know, we have that in our mind where we just embrace it and we begin to allow it to absorb into our soul and into our life. And again, verse 14, as it says, it says, make every effort to live at peace with all men. 
there's going to be conflict, there's going to be difficulties in our life. And the last thing we want to do is allow, allow hurts and pains to be absorbed into our life. Because all of a sudden, you've created a perfect environment for the bitter root to begin to take off. Number two in your outline, where does bitterness grow? It grows in the hurts and pains that are stored in your heart slash emotions. And when I say heart, I'm not talking about your heart that pumps blood. I'm talking about the core of your emotions. It's that thing that oftentimes I'll say when you're in seventh grade and you broke up with that boy or that girl and you went home and you're crying and your mama said, well, she just broke your heart, honey. That's all. That's what happened. Right. And it's like, well, your heart's not broke. It's just that emotional part that ended up getting broke. And so we have legitimate hurts, legitimate pains in our life, and we begin to store them inside of us. They begin to creep in and the roots begin to draw the miracle grow from them. And it just begins to take root in our life. It begins to overcome us and it begins to grow deep into our lives. In verse 15, it says, see to it that no one misses uh, the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up. All right. And again, it's just that dangerous place where it happens. Bitter in your outline in, in the Greek, the original language. It means this. It means to stain, pollute, or contaminate. All right? So just kind of get that in your mind. That's what, that's, what, that's what the Scripture says about what bitterness is. It contaminates, it pollutes, it stains your heart. But it's legitimate hurts that you're going through. It's not that we can discount the hurts and say, oh, it's no big deal. No, it is a big deal. You went through it, but you didn't deal with it according to Scripture. You didn't deal with it correctly, and as a result of it, that, that, that hurt, those hurtful experiences begin to contaminate and begin to cause problems in your life. Number three, so how do bitter people think and act? And here's where we're going to put it and see whether the shoe fits, all right? You ready for this? When I went through this message this morning at 6.30 and no one was here, I got the same response. All right? So here it is, okay? This is, this is kind of application in our life to kind of evaluate ourselves. And here, and here it is. How do they think and act? The first idea is this, that they become overly critical. A person that has a bitter root growing in them, they become incredibly incredibly um, critical of everything that goes on. They can find the bad in everything, in every relationship, in every restaurant, in every school, in every church, in every place that they go. They, they have this ability to figure out what is the worst, the worst boss, the worst landlord, the worst bank, the worst restaurant, the worst drive through That's their whole life. And oftentimes with people like that, you want to stop and you want to go, well, wait a minute, time out. So the cops are bad, the landlord's bad, the, 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 the banker's bad, the, the person at the fast food restaurant's bad. You know, and it's like, what's the common denominator? Right? But see, remember, when you live in a danger zone, you don't see it. You don't see it. It's everyone else. Right. And, and so you become hypercritical. Also, just kind of as a side note, if a person who has a critical, uh, uh, a bitter spirit, if there's a room of people and they walk into the room and there are two people who are talking and those two people stop talking, 
the person with the bitter root instantly thinks they were talking about them. Right? Or if, two pe- if a person walks in and, and two people are talking or a group of people are talking and they turn around and they look at them and continue to talk, they assume that that group of people were talking about them. And they just have this critical, sensitive spirit uh, about them that ends up having problems when it comes to relationships around. Some of you guys are smiling, all right? Number two is they justify their bitterness. They justify their bitterness. That they have, they have reasoned in their mind that what has happened to them justifies their bitterness. Their dad abandoned, their mom abused them, their uncle did, the, you know, the school did, whatever it is. That they, they, they have this, this idea that they have a, a right to be bitter. And they don't recognize the destruction that it's causing around them. But they somehow they sit in this, this area of bitterness and it just, it, they feed on it. It's like juicy morsels of good stuff in their soul. And they just sit there and they just feed on it. The third thing is this. They secretly celebrate misfortunes. Someone gets a divorce, it's like, yep, that's what they deserve. They deserve that. Right? You, 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 think, I'm, you think I'm kidding. I'd like to introduce you to a few folks. They celebrate it. You lost your job? Eh, you deserved it. Right? And that bitter root celebrates someone else's hardship. Instead of being broken for them, it's like silently they're, they're like applauding that they're happy that someone else's kid has made a poor choice and got kicked out of school. Because, because that's just the world in which they live in. They're, they're happy that those things have taken place and that someone else has had a, had a misfortune, had a hardship in their life. And then the last one is this. They struggle to see the bitterness in the mirror. Again, you could get a whole room of people that says, man, you got a bitter spirit in you, and they will deny it. They will push back. They will say you are controlling, that you are, you know, you're whatever, and there'll be this huge pushback, but they will not stop and ask the question, do I? And so as you sit here today, you, you know, I ask you that question. Are, are any of those things true in your life? Because if, if so, just as it was with my, my life, all of a sudden that bitter root just takes root, root and it starts growing. And if you're not careful, all of us have it in us to allow it to overcome our life. Every single one of us. Because we're broken and we're flawed people. And so we have, that, we have that in us to all of a sudden become that person where everyone says, watch out. Number four. So what kind of damage will it cause? And in verse 15 goes on, it says it causes trouble, and we'll look at that right now. And then the second part of it is it says it defiles many. And we'll look at that as the byproduct of what takes place in our life. What's interesting about bitterness, it's kind of, I've just printed out three studies. Um, From the Mayo Clinic was one, and here's what they say about a person. Now, they're not attacking it spiritually, they're attacking it um, from kind of a, a... just a mind type of thing. But here's what they say. If a person is able to let go of bitterness or grudges, they will have happier relationships. They'll have greater spiritual and psychological well-being, less anxiety, less stress, less hostility, lower blood pressure, 
fewer symptoms of depression, stronger immune system, which is really interesting, improve their heart health, and have higher self-esteem. If you do not let go of it, here's what they say. You will be angry and bitter, not only in your current relationships, but any new relationships. Remember what I told you last week? I said oftentimes people who have bitterness in marriage, they'll, they'll carry that into the next marriage. The first marriage ended in a divorce, they carried into the second marriage. And guess what? They're just as bitter plus some. And then they carry it into the third and so on and so forth. And so they have that just it's, it's because it's in them, right? Uh, they'll become wrapped up in the wrong and they will not be able to enjoy the present. They will become depressed and experience anxiety. They'll feel a, a life lacking. Uh, they'll feel that life is lacking purpose and meaning. Um, they'll lose uh, an enrichment of the connection of relationships. And there are three studies that has it. In fact, one of the uh, uh, health writers for CNN wrote of a story of a guy who, in college, was uh, a, just bullied brutally. And he had this enormous amount of resentment in his life for like 20 years. And he got diagnosed with some heart problems. And what, they, what he ended up having was the thickening of his heart medicine and, and uh, heart muscle. And what was interesting is the janitor came in who happened to be a believer and was talking to this guy. And he asked him, you know, what was going on. He talked about his resentment. And the guy let him and prayed with him and asked him, hey, let me help you forgive the guy. In three days, he walked out of the hospital. And just, it was, you know, that there, when when medical doctors are saying bitterness is affecting people, it's it's important to pay attention. Now, you know, I happen to believe that it's a spiritual issue that causes physical problems in our life. So in your outline there, the, the first one is, it causes physical damage in our life. The second thing is this, that it causes emotional damage, right? It causes emotional damage. If you have bitterness or hatred towards someone else, and get this in your mind, you are carrying that person around in your life. You are a slave to them. And you're carrying them around. And so it causes enormous amount of emotional damage in your life. The hate hounds you. And then the third one is spiritual damage. And that is you can't have hatred and you can't have holiness in your heart at the same time. It doesn't work that way. It's, a, it's water and oil, right? It, they just don't flow together. And so as a result, it, it causes physical, emotional, and spiritual damage in your life. Now number five is the byproducts. So let's take a look at that. So what kind of byproducts Will this damage, uh, this dangerous fruit produce? Okay? And we're just kind of walking through the steps here. So hopefully you guys are tracking well. You're, you're there? Ephesians, yeah, whoa, slow down. Huh? It's almost over. All right, uh, Ephesians 4, verse 26. Here, here's what it says. We'll look at this verse next week. It says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, don't keep a long account of the things that people have done wrong to you. All right? Do not give the devil a foothold. Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31. Get rid of. Okay? Just underline that. We're going to look at this more next week. Have you ever walked into a cobweb? 
And all of a sudden you step into it and it just like goes over your face. The, the Greek word for get rid of is exactly what you do. You're flailing at it to try to get it, get rid of it. That, that's what that Greek word means, to get rid of. Okay? So that, that's what, as, as, we, as, as we see in Hebrew, uh, uh, Ephesians, the writer of he, uh, Ephesians is saying, when, when you have bitterness in your life, flail at it. Get rid of it. It, it just need, You need to get rid of it. And then in the context of the verse, bitterness is the root. And each of the areas coming after that flows from it. Okay, so pay attention to how this works. So get rid of bitterness. Because out of bitterness flows rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of of malice okay so now let's go back and let's take a look at each of these words rage it means breath inside okay one guy one guy characterizes it it this way that when you have a bitter root in you you have a small smoldering fire inside of you and all it takes is oxygen to begin to roar okay So it's inside of you because of bitterness. It's inside of you. You have the rage inside of you. It's living inside of you. The next word is anger. The difference between rage and anger in the the Greek is rage is inside. Anger is outside. Okay? So as we see the, the, the flow of this, the anger is inside. It's kind of just burning Ever so slightly. All right. And then all of a sudden someone blows the oxygen into it. And now it appears on the outside in the form of anger. Okay. Now the face is red. The ears are red. You know, everything. The eyes are like locked in. And all of a sudden now it begins to turn from what was inside of the person. Now begins to go outside of the person. All right. Are we following? Then the next one is brawling. And what's interesting, that that doesn't mean fist fighting. Okay, that's not MMA. All right? It, it actually means speech. Okay? It means speech. Now, some of you are going, I know that person. Right? Because inside of them is a small flame. Someone blows oxygen into their fire. It, rage, it, be, it begins to form in the sense of anger. And now all of a sudden, there is speech that begins to flow out of their mouth. And the scripture says the tongue is like fire. Right? And all of a sudden now, we begin to form, which is the next part, slander which is hurtful words. Okay? And now we begin to say things out of, if we walk it backward, out of the brawling, anger, rage that comes from bitterness in your life. Alright? So now we say, you know what? I wished I would have never married you. My buddy was right. He said I was a fool back then, and he's 100% right now. And all of a sudden, we begin to dig deep into the archives of our life, and we begin to say hurtful things to someone. Why? If we go all the way back, because we have a bitter root 
in our life. And we say to our kids, I wished I would have never had you. You can't, you guys, oh, folks, this stuff happens on a regular basis. And listen, even in folks who love Jesus and come to church, I just think you've got to be real about it, right? And we say hurtful things to our kids, to our spouse, to our friends, to the people that, it, it, that we love, and we just dig in deep, and we begin to say incredibly painful stuff, all right? Now, let me just pause, and let me just say this. This is added, added information. The reason why is because it's what's in you, and we're going to look at this next week. Because what's in you is what comes out of you. And it has nothing to do with who you bump into. It has to do with what's in you. And so regardless of the relationships, if you have it in you, eventually it will come out of you. All right? So the whole idea of you bring out the worst in me is not true. The reality is the worst in you is in you. And you haven't dealt with it properly. And because it's in you, as Jesus says, is what comes out of you. Okay? Then the last one is malice. And malice means that is the desire to hurt someone. Okay? So it goes from this inner fire that's going on. It begins to manifest itself on the outside. It begins to verbalize. It begins to say say hurtful things. And malice means it can become physical. This is where someone gets pushed into the wall. This is where the plate goes flying across the room. This is where things are slammed. Doors are broken down. This is where we have the desire to literally hurt someone in our life. And it escalates out of that bitterness. And that is a byproduct of the bitterness in our life. So here's a little joke to kind of bring a little levity. You ready? I'll read it like this is true. This isn't true. The other day I was reading in the newspaper at Craigslist. And it said, for sale or trade, wedding ring. Right? Wait, I'm not finished. I worked all week on this. Thank you. For sale, right? For sale or trade. Willing to trade for a 357 Magnum. (laughs) Right? Someone got hurt. Right? You guys laugh. I mean, that stuff happens, right? All right. So how do we kill it? Number six. And I use the word kill because I think that that's the case. I don't think you can prune it back. I think you've got to kill it. I think the root has to be literally killed. And so let's take a look at a couple things and then we're going to talk about what if you have somebody in your family who's like that? What do you do? Now, now the first one is you got to let God reveal it. Again, remember with all these areas that we're talking about in the danger zone, the problem is with most folks who are in the danger zone, they're blinded to it. And you've got to allow the spirit of God to reveal to you that you have it in your life. And so we have that Psalms uh, 30, uh, 139 from last week. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offense in, in my way. Lead me in the path of everlasting, right? And so we need to make sure that we're, we're sitting down and we're doing that. For me, a couple months ago, that's what it was. When God began to kind of tap me on the shoulder, it was like I got to go in, into my room and start praying because I, I just sense this bitterness building up to something that happened in 1979. Legitimate. 
but it can't overrun my life, right? And so we got to let God reveal it to us. The next one is we got to let grace remove it. We got to let grace remove it. In Ephesians chapter 4, back to that, verse 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Right, which was the opposite of Hebrews, uh, where Hebrews is in the context that we read that there was going to be conflict with each other. This is kind of saying, hey, listen, you got to be kind and compassionate to one another. And then what's the next part? Forgiving each other. And what's the example? Just as Christ forgave you. How did he forgive you? Completely, fully, by his grace. Past, present, and future sins. Right? You didn't bring anything to the table. Zero. In fact, while you were still sinning, while you were still screwing up in life, He forgave you. That's the example in which we need to convey to someone who we have that bitterness. Well, what if my, the, the, the guy that drove the doom buggy, he never apologized to me. And he hadn't. Doesn't matter. I need to forgive him just as Christ forgave me. But he didn't deserve it. Neither did I. Right? I need to forgive him. And it goes on and it says in in chapter 5, it goes on after verse uh, verse 32. And it says, be imitators of God. Not your neighbor. Right? Not your mom. But be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us. And how did he love us? Well, he gave himself up for us. And that's how we are to love the people who even have offended us. And we'll get into it because I already know the big pushback, right? We'll, we'll get there. Just hang on with me. And then the third one is this. You've got to let good replace it. You've got to let good replace it. Back to Hebrews 12, verse 14. And it says, make every effort to live in peace with all men. And here's the reality when it comes to forgiving other people. If you are not willing to do it, you are on the same hook as they're on. And you are carrying them around. Okay, now pay attention to this. I don't have the right to confess your sins. Right? I can forgive you, but you still are responsible for your actions to God. Correct? Okay? So when I forgive someone... It has nothing to do with what their consequences are between them and God. Forgiveness has everything with me and what they've done to me. Are you following? Okay? Because oftentimes people say, I can't forgive because if I forgive, it's like sweeping it under the rug. No. Forgiveness isn't for them. They are responsible to God for their actions. Forgiveness is for you so that the root bitterness doesn't take root in your life and consume you. It is about you releasing it so that the actions no longer control you. So the accident of my brother in 1979 no longer affects me today. It has nothing to do with what that gentleman and God has in store for him, and I have no idea what it is. That's not even part of the conversation. It's about me releasing it so that it no longer controls me. And here, all all the time, hear hear me on. There is a huge pushback from people 
because they're like, I can't forgive my uncle for what he did to me because he did. And we would all sit in a room and go, you're right, we ought to hunt him down. But you cannot let his actions continue to control you. You've got to release it and let it go. And you have to replace it with good. So you let God reveal it, you let God's grace remove it, and you let good replace it. We follow on? Number seven. And this, I threw this in the last minute. So what do I do if I have someone in my family or someone in my work environment that has a bitter spirit? What do I do? I wished I would have brought him here. All right? Well, on Tuesdays... uh, no, No, I'm just kidding. Here's what you do for him. The first one is you pray for him. Because unless their eyes are open, they won't see it. And it's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. God has to work in their heart to reveal to them the bitterness that they have in their life. And the second thing that you need to do is you need to set up boundaries for protection. Just because you forgive them doesn't mean that you have to step your foot in the same trap day after day after day. Okay? And so we have people who have kind of this wacky idea about what it is to be a Christ follower. Well, you're supposed to forgive me. Well, listen, I don't have to keep sticking my head out to get whacked on a regular basis. Okay? I can forgive you. And then I can build barriers in my life to protect or boundaries in my life to protect me so that you don't get another swing at me. Okay? And so for health reasons, you and some of you need to build barriers in your life so that that bitter person doesn't continue to steamroll you. Because here's the danger. You know what you'll become? Bitter. You will become bitter. And so you pray God reveal it, protection, so that you, they don't get another crack at you. Okay? And you protect yourself. Wasn't that encouraging? <laughs> now here's what we're going to do next week. Alright? Next week we're going to continue and we're going to look at anger. Okay? And we're, and we're going to look at how we take it to the next level and really look at removing it from our life. Okay? But here's what I want to say as we wrap up. Bitterness, folks, whether you're Pastor Dan or your folks who just come and listen, bitterness can consume all of us if we're not careful. Just because you know and love Jesus does not mean that bitterness can't take root in your life. And the danger is It will poison you and it will poison everyone else around you in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and for your encouragement. Thank you, Lord, that we serve a God who speaks to us and reveals to us areas of our life that need to be adjusted and changed. And Father, as we just take a moment to reflect, Lord, my prayer is that your spirit will speak deep into the souls, into the hearts of each of the folks who are here today. Father, if anyone, including myself, has that bitter root that's taking root in our life, God, I pray that your spirit will just reveal it to us. And Father, not only will you reveal it to us, 
that you'll give us the grace to overcome it, to remove it by your love and by your mercy. And just as we sit here, maybe you have that person in mind that has harmed you. You have a legitimate hurt, a legitimate pain in your life. And that person's in your mind. I'm just going to challenge you to ask God to help you to forgive them. To release it. To set the pain and the hurt at the foot of the cross. Father, as we leave here today, my prayer is that we would be whole. That we would have peace with you and peace with man. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your life and I want to give you that opportunity. We go through a little ABCs. It kind of helps us out. A is admit that we're sinners. We're all sinners. We've all made mistakes. B is to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he died on a cross and then he rose again. And C is to confess him as your Lord. And if your heart's desire is to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, as I say this prayer, just silently repeat after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, today, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he died on a cross and that he rose again. And today, March 1st, I confess him to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, thank you for saving me. Lord, thank you for pursuing me with your love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.